Good morning, happy Wednesday, and welcome to the 7 a.m. Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Amy G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's day is Wednesday, September 27, 2023, and today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, A Vision for You, on page 156, reading the third paragraph that starts with, but life was not easy for the two friends, and ending with, if she had a first-class alcoholic prospect. Unpacking that one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you every everyone on Team Wednesday, Reva P, Maura Z, Vanessa G, Joni C, Maria H. Announcements, Janice PM, Newcomer Greeter, Anne-Marie M, and the host, Ramona A, for the second awesome unrecorded hour. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, September 26, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, is 20,675. That's 20,675. And for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 20,676. That's 20676. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Joni C. to read the 12 steps. Please go ahead, Joni. Good morning. This is Joni C. from Minnesota, a compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much, Joni C. I will now ask for Maria H. to read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Maria. Good morning, Amy. Thank you, uh, Maria, here in Georgia, a recovered compulsive overeater one day at a time. The 12 traditions. Uh, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, our only requir- the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. A pass. Thank you so much, Maria H. Okie dokie, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but... We ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, dis- discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time or you'll hear the buzzer. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book. We are in the chapter, Vision for You. We are on page 156, the third paragraph, and I'm going to ask Reva P. to get us started. Go ahead, Reva. Can't wait. 
Good morning. This is Risa P, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. But life was not easy for the two friends. Plenty of difficulties presented themselves. Both saw that they must keep spiritually active. One day they called up the head nurse of a local hospital. They explained their need and inquired if she had a first-class alcoholic prospect. This paragraph is, you know, the expectation when I came in here that if I just got my food under control, um, I could go back to my life and life would be great. Um, and what happened was when I put the food down and worked the steps, um, life wasn't, you know, as somebody describes it, was full of pixie dust. Like there were still challenges and difficulties. And if anything, you know, I felt my feelings more. I, I was more resentments and fear. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, yay, I've reached the promised land. Um, and what strikes me so much here is what happened when life was not difficult? Um, they saw that they must keep spiritually active. It doesn't say they saw they better be sober. They better not eat no matter what. They had to be spiritually active. And what does that mean, spiritually active? Were they sitting in a room for three hours levitating? No, they called the local hospital and they saw that in order to keep mm -hmm. what I have, I have to give it away. And the importance of what we now know as the 12th step. And it's such a turning point because what if it would have just stopped with them? What if they would have just said, hey, we're good to go. That's it. I will just go ahead and live my life. They're like, there'd be no 12-step program. Um, but this is like the cornerstone of our program that the whole purpose of like the first 11 steps is to have me be equipped and spiritually fit to carry it on and pass it on. And I love this business of they explain their need that I need to do this. Um, I need to give it away or I'm not going to be able to keep what I've gotten. Um, but I also remember, you know, spiritually active, I can't give away what I don't have. And I think that's why steps 10, 11, and 12 are so intertwined, because I have to have a clear channel, I can't be blocked by resentments and fears, I have to go to this power and ask, who do I help? How do I help? What do I do? Where do you want me to, you know, be of service? And then I carry the message within the rooms, um, and also outside of the rooms, like that three-part step of step 12. Um, so yeah, spiritually active, so much more than abstinent only. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Reva. Great way to get us started. Okay, so although we value your experience, strength, and hope, um, if you've shared in the last two days, a uh, couple of days, namely, Tuesday or Monday, we ask that you step aside and allow others to share their experience, strength, and hope as well. So who would like to share on this paragraph? Melissa S. Alec B. Melissa Elena S. C. Alec Raz G. G. Christina J. Raz G. Was it Helena? I, uh... I just missed somebody. Melissa C, Alex B, Roz G, Helena. Was there somebody else? Oh, Christina. I think I was Christina J, right? 
I think I heard Christina J. Um, anyone else or anyone that I missed? Yeah, you did hear Christina. Thank you. Oh, okay. Yay. <laughs> I got it right for once. Okay. Anybody else going once, going twice? Alrighty then, we've got a great group to get started here. Melissa S, Alec B, Roz G, Helena, and Christina J. Melissa, you're up. Grab the mic and let's go. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, great. This is Melissa S in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, when I think about the spiritual, oh, what did he say, work, um, that they have to do, I just can't help but think about in Bill's story when they say they must grow spiritually, and he says through, and I know somebody on here always says not prayer and meditation, which you would think it would say, but it says hard work and self-sacrifice for others, and um, I am just you know, it takes a long time to come out of the soil of self-centered living and be in the soil of others-centered living. Um, I am in that, walking in that direction, but um, my old ideas um, can creep in so easily. That's why, you know, hearing this and doing all the practices required, are required to get my mind in the right mindset to be thinking of you know, God and asking for direction and seeing where I can be of service, not just, you know, in OA, but even like my family, like, you know, hard work, not because I'm so moral and righteous, but because that's what I need to do to stay sane. Um, it's, I can't walk, I'm thinking of myself at work, I can't walk on the sidewalk and pass a piece of litter without picking it up, not because, and I keep thinking, oh my gosh, I just feel God tapping my shoulder, it's like those small things even, it's like, can't do that, I got to pick it up, because um, I just have to live completely differently, and I'm just, you know, it's the growing pains, it's like, you know, I don't know, a caterpillar coming out of its chrysalis. It's like, oh, it's too tight in here. It hurts to live selfishly, and I can feel it. Um, so it's like, choose your heart. Do I want the heart of self-centered living or the heart of God-centered living? One of them pays handsomely with abstinence and a, a life worth living. And um, I'm just glad to be on this journey. That's all I have. Thank you so much, Melissa from Nashville. Melissa S. from Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, Alex B., followed by Roz G. Please go ahead, Alex. Hi, this is Alec B. from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I am a compulsive uh, overeater in recovery only for today. Um, yeah, thank you for being here. I'm, I'm really glad to be on this line every morning. Uh, uh, I was so moved by the very first share after this paragraph because I so resonated. You know, when I came in about a year ago, um, it was, it, for me, it was the same thing. Okay, I got to get in, get absent, get recovered, and just get out of here. And it turns out that doesn't work, right? That, that, that was holding myself back from this program because the program isn't about me and, and my own recovery for its sake. 
but my recovery so as to help others and, and so as to, to grow into um, an instrument and a, a, a sort of grace, a, a, a way for God to love uh, me and to love others through me um, and, and to bring us all to freedom and joy together. Uh, and, and so that had to be a change. I, I mean, I tried, you know, months of, of, you know, abstinence and relapse and abstinence and relapse until this change happened. I realized it wasn't just about the abstinence. It wasn't just about the rules or the, it, it was about being, um, making this program part of my life, right? That's, I mean, how incredible it is, this paragraph about being spiritually active, having a life of spiritual activity for, for, and health uh, for these men was calling to find somebody else to help. Um, that it's constantly other directed. And that for me, you know, no matter how long I'm recovered, no matter how long I, I, I don't have the, I have neutrality or I have freedom or whatever, it, it's not, that's not the end. The end, it, there is no end, right? It's being part of this program for life because it's part of my vocation. It's part of what, who I was created to be and and what God is doing. And it's hard for me to recognize that. It's humbling for you to recognize that. Um, but I'm seeing it's also very grace. It's also blessed that, that God has given me this disease so as, or let me have, I don't know, theologically, but let, let me have this. So, and it's using it so as to make me a, a servant of others and to help others and to bring others along the path of freedom too. And as long as I keep that perspective and don't just make it about controlling my weight or controlling whatever for my own sake, but rather to be of service to others, then I can stay in this place of freedom and joy and let myself um, be, be used to help others and to stay spiritually active. And so, yeah, I'm grateful for this line. I'm grateful for that paragraph and for each of you. Um, yeah, Alec B. from Missouri. I pass. Thank you so much, Alec B. from St. Louis, Missouri. We have Roz G. up next, followed by Helena. Please go ahead, Roz. Hi, Amy. Hi, everybody. Thank you. Uh, my name is Roz G. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Palmdale, California, which is in Los Angeles County. Um, and, gosh, I lo I've loved all the shares. Um, I'd like to say, but life was not easy for Roz. Yes, I got into recovery. And my food, uh, my compulsive overeating covered up my life. It covered my pain. It gave me a distraction to facing my life. And when... I stopped compulsively overeating. Um, I, I, got to, I got to see the real Roz. I got to see all the reasons that I ate. And, you know, um, I, I, got to, I got to be homeless with three kids. And I'm not saying on the street. A friend in, a friend in another program actually gave us a, 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 some rooms to stay in for a month. But I got to I got to see what that felt like, and um, I got to see what being a single mom for several many many years was like, um, with you know no support from in from an alcoholic marriage, and to um, strive to make a life for my children and myself, that was not easy. Um, I got to go back to school and get college degrees uh, while working a full-time job. 
that was not easy and to be in recovery, which I had a lot of relapses. And so when I got into the vision for you four or five years ago, I think it's been about four or five years. Uh, I could I can pinpoint it, but I don't have to in this this share. Uh, I really got to see what recovery was like. Real, real putting down of the food, real step work, and be keeping spiritually active. Must. It is one of these musts in the big book. I must be doing something to help someone else. I must be um, talking big book with someone all, you know, every day. And I must be having other spiritual activities in my life. Um, you know, hobbies that I do. Vegetable, I, I love vegetable gardening. I've begun dancing. I love these things. I'm on a, I'm on a committee in, 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 in another, you know, in this program with Overeaters Anonymous at a, above the meeting level. I, these things give me a reason to, to live. And because I'm telling you, when I look at my, myself and some of the things that, that really bother me, I would just say, thank you, I hear that. I would just say, God, take me, take me to heaven. But I've got so many things to live for here, and Overeaters Anonymous is one of the priorities. Thank you, I pass. Thank you so much, Roz G. from Palmdale, California. All right, Helena, you are up, followed by Christina J. Good morning. My name is Elena with an E, E L E N A, from uh, South Carolina, recovered for today. Um, Yeah, so you know what? Um, Life does not have to be easy. Life does not have to be easy. And why? Because if it were easy, I would really be bored, you know? And if it were easy, I I would have no idea how beautiful life is. Because, you know, I need to experience struggle to get stronger. And after the struggles, I can enjoy the beauties of life and life goes well. And here's, here's the catch-22 for me in recovery. So my partner lost his job. Um, my daughter is a teenager and she, you know, she's struggling as a teenager. My mom has dementia. And I can go on and on and on and on with a list of, you know, struggles. But here's the beauty of recovery. I see the gift. I see the gift in the struggles. The gift for, for you know, a teenage, to have a teenage daughter who struggles is that I get to know my teenage daughter and I see when she's not struggling, I see her growth. Because I have got it, I can be present for with her, for her. And then my mom, I am closer to mom than I've ever been. And, you know, my, I, I get to support my partner with the God I got from this recovery. I got to support my partner through his struggles. And my fears are gone. And, oh, my God, I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't have it any other way today. Because it's just like the butterfly in the cocoon that needs to struggle a lot. And if you ever watch that, his struggle is absolutely unbelievable. And then he just transforms into a beautiful creature that flies away. And that's what life in recovery is for me, for you. 
and it could be for everyone else who chooses our path. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Helena C. from South Carolina. Okay, Christina J., you're up. And Christina, before you go, just going to friendly remind everyone, because then we'll take some more names after Christina's share. We are on page 156. We are reading the third paragraph only. So get ready. I'm going to take some names after Christina. Okay, go ahead, girl. Good morning, everyone. Christina in North Carolina, recovering. Oh, boy. Uh, why would I go to God if life were easy? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's got to be that black and white. There's got to be that struggle that, like Elena was saying, there's the gift in the struggle. Um, and it is a gift. <clears throat> because today I want to have a spiritual relationship more than anything in my life. Because all these things around me go away. My husband will go away. If I'm lucky, I will go first. I mean, my house will, everything. His mother died and she had worked all her life for money and she said on her deathbed, but she never said any spiritual thing in her life, but this was spiritual. She said, all of this is shit, means nothing. And then she died. So, I mean, we have, I, I don't have to say we, I have to cultivate this spiritually active. And as we know, <clears throat> some keys here, keep spiritually active by serving others. We don't have a chance in hell if we don't give. I want to give today. Once we get to a little more healing inside of ourselves, something happens, something changes, and we get deep compassion for others that are struggling out there and we want to help. Yesterday I got attacked by a friend viciously for something I did that was innocent. And she cut me off and made all kinds of accusations and all this stuff. And I was able to go through that with grace and not get upset, not want to eat, because I was calling God in at every moment. You know, I can't change her. She's a full-blown addict. And God bless her. I'm going to hold space and pray for her. That's how I can be of service to her. Life is never easy. There's always difficulties. God damn it. <laughs> Excuse my language. But... um. You know, when, when my second husband was dying of cancer, I was on my knees, curled up in a ball on the phone with someone who was a very spiritual person. I said, I can't do this. I can't go through this again. And she said, well, while you're here on earth, you're probably going to have to face many more difficulties like this, maybe even more severe. I wasn't happy to hear that. But all this has brought me to God. <clears throat> I am a first-class addict. I am a first-class addict. <clears throat> I have been in the gutter with food. I have been in the gutter with my thoughts with my emotions, with my, the way I treat people, um, selfishness, self-centeredness, dishonesty, driven all by fear. You know, the book says it all. But uh, today I'm glad to be a first-class alcoholic because it has brought me to my knees, to God, like nothing else in my life ever would. So, um, and how I keep this, as it says here, they have to go out and work with others. <clears throat> there's, no, there's no other alternative. And I have to do my 10, my 11. I have to stay close to God. I have to pause. I mean, it's a simple program because I'm in the way. I'm going to go the and handle. And I'll say one last thing, going through this thing with my mother. It's teaching me the greatest lessons of my life. It's very, very hard. But it's opening my heart in ways that I never have had it open before. And making me look at things that I've never seen. So, damn it, it's hard. But I'm finding a love that I've never had before. So, God brings us these things, you know, to bring us home. So thank you for letting me share. Love you guys. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Christina J. from North Carolina. 
Okay, so again, we're on page 156, the third paragraph. Who else would like to share on what was read? Jack L. W. Uh, I got Jack W., I think. Who was the other person? There was somebody else I missed. Sarit L. Sarit L. Okay, gotcha. Anyone else? Chris M. Chris M. Nancy P. Nancy. We got time. Don't be shy. Love to hear from you. Anyone else? Okay. We've got Jack W., Sarik L., Chris M., and Nancy P. Jack, please go ahead. Uh, thank you so much. Hi, everybody. I'm Jack W., a compulsive overeater in Florida. And, um, you know, I was thinking about the reading that they must keep spiritually active. Both of them, both of them saw this. And I'm, I remember listening intently uh, in meetings past, people talking about uh, relapse and, uh, and um, talking with their sponsor. And their sponsor might have asked them, uh, when did you First, start easing God out. So that was the um, action even before the food is easing uh, God out of your life. So they're, they're saying they must keep spiritually active. And then somebody said earlier that, that they didn't sit around and me- did they sit around and meditate? No, they went looking for another alcoholic to share what they have found this miracle with. And so for for me, I can, if, if I'm working on keeping a, a conscious contact, and I looked up the word conscience again because I have the forgets, and it, it says uh, a feeling uh, to be aware, um, let's see, feelings, uh, it's a pers- it's personally felt and so it, it i guess it's around us step after step 9 it says um that we haven't we've been given a neutrality with food we're safe and protected so i i can i'm aware of when i'm safe and protected and if i check in and and I can tell that I'm not, I know that that's the danger zone. I know that I need to uh, pick up my program, you know, to get that feeling of safe and, and protected again. If I don't, I'm in danger. And it's just, you know, we have a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And I just felt led to talk about that. And thanks, everybody, for a good meeting. And I appreciate you letting me share. 
Thank you so much, Jack W. from Florida. All right, uh, Sarit L., please go ahead, followed by Chris M. Hi, good morning, Amy. Thanks for your service. It's Sarit L. from Montreal and um, recovered compulsive overeater. And I, the, the line that's like glaring at me is, but life was not easy for the two friends. And a lot of people have shared on this, but I really want to harp on just the word easy. Because as an addict, I think as an addict, because my husband's a normal eater and he doesn't care about wanting life easy, but I want life easy. I want raising my kids easy. I want work to come easy. Um, I want to just chill. You know, I want supper to come in the snap of a finger and my kids to just hop, skip and jump into bed and, you know, not fight me when I say it's bedtime. I just want easy. And most of my tenths include within them this lie that life must be easy and smooth sailing, that I can't handle bumps in life. I'm just learning to grow up here. I'm learning that life is not equal smooth sailing, that my happiness doesn't come from smooth sailing. I catastrophize the negative because I want the ease and comfort. And every fear that I carry out till the end reveals this peace of wanting comfort and not wanting the discomfort. So I run away. I run away. You know, if I can numb out with food, I'll numb out with food. Or I, I just run the other way in, in every shape or form. You know, if it's just yelling and screaming or being impatient. And God is, God is bringing me back. Yeah. I only call out to God because I so desperately need God to help me show up in life and deal with the uneasiness. In, in every way, you know, in, in raising kids and in going to work and in my day-to-day -day tasks. You know, children need gardening and tending and, and, and life needs every, you know, everything. You grow a plant, it's, it's got work in order to be, look beautiful on your, on, your, on your countertop. Nothing just comes easy. And it's such a, an immature way of looking at life, you know. So God is raising me all over again. And I'm learning all this in these rooms. I'm calling out to God in search of, of a life that's happier because my happiness doesn't come from getting the easier, softer way. It never did. And um, I'm learning. I'm learning how to grow up here, be a mature girl, and deal with life's dis-ease and discomfort. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Cherie L. from Montreal, Canada. All right, Chris M., followed by Nancy P. Go ahead, Chris. Good morning. This is Chris M. from New York. Can you hear me? I can. Please go ahead. Thank you. I am um, a food addict, a compulsive eater. I have an eating disorder, all that stuff. And I haven't been on this call in about two years. I was, I was active uh, for a few years and then uh decided that you know i'm not i'm not really i really have the problems with food that the other people have um so i don't think i belong in this group and i found another way which i thought was an easier way and like most of us find i have you know talking with people and hearing them when we step out there is like this euphoria of like oh I don't have to do all that stuff anymore. This is the, this is an easier way, and it's working for me, and it's great. And 
and then then um, it doesn't work. You know, it works until it doesn't work. And it hasn't worked for me for a bit now. And, you know, I just had a revelation the other night of like, you know, this this is about my relationship. This is about my relationship with God, with myself and with others. You know, the food is secondary. The food is, is the way I cope. And um, I've been struggling with myself, my relationship, my food. Yes, it hasn't gone off the rails, but it never seems to. It's kind of like, you know, I tread a thin line with the food. But I know that my real issue is my spiritual life and my relationships. And, you know, this little short paragraph talks about that. Like, yeah, put the food down. And sometimes I think, oh, that's the answer, but it just, it doesn't, it boomerangs back because I haven't done the work. And I have done the work over the years. I've been in this program 37 years um, in Overeaters Anonymous, and I have done, you know, I've been successful. But um, I'm realizing I'm 60 years old. I really run away of other as other people have said today from the hard work and I'm grateful that God opened my eyes once again to seeing what it takes like I am a sick person I really am and that's hard for me to admit it really is hard for me to admit uh, that I am a sick person uh, with my with my eating disorder and my um, you know all the other stuff that goes along with it and the spiritual malady and emotional immaturity. Um, but it's okay, you know. God made me this way. He also gave me this program when I was 23 years old. He gave me this program, and I and I you know kind of like dabbled, Time. you know. Thank, thank you for letting me share. Everyone have a good day. Thank you, Chris M. from New York. Okay, Nancy P., you're up, and then we'll take some more names. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi, good morning. Uh, thank you for letting me share. Nancy P., recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, I am nowhere if I'm not spiritually fit, and I need to be working on this stuff every day, and I do all, everything. I do it all every day, and as the first speaker said, this, you know, this happens at the end of the 11th step, you know, like... So the first 11 steps prepare me to work this, to do this, to understand, you know, what I'm doing. And, you know, it's not that before I recovered that I couldn't help people. I did. I did the best that I could. I made a lot of phone calls, outreach. You know, I went to a lot of meetings to show support, you know, gave money um, to the, you know, financial independence for the, for the program um, and all that. I did that. But, um, you know, that was a precursor to sponsoring and, um, you know, more sort of intense, undistilled um, help that I can, uh, service that I can offer. Um, and when I finally recovered and stopped hurting myself with food, it was because my life was untenable. I had a disaster of a life. I had a family catastrophe. I had job stress, stress and my weight had um, had exploded another 50 pounds. And I just wanted to feel better. I would do anything to feel better. But I've been there before. Fear would sober me for a long time, for a bit, for a time, and then something would happen or nothing would happen and I'd be off and running again. And my sponsor told me that the point is not to feel better. It's to be helpful. And 
you know, I was like, just as long as I feel better, I'll help people. But um, I couldn't get there on my own. I couldn't get there on my knees. If my knees would have worked, would have done the job, I would have amputated my legs at the knees. And, you know, that didn't happen. You know, that never was going to work for me. But I did recover and I got much better, way better. But everything in my life got much worse. My life on the mechanical level was terrible. My daughter went into a mental hospital. I lost my job. And I thought I would never stop crying. But it was during those months that I got the full benefit of this, of all of this program offers. Horrible, painful things. But all pain is created equal because it all leads to the refrigerator, the cabinet, or the, you know, the grocery store or whatever. I couldn't get there any other way than what I did. And, um, you know, in the middle of that, you know, I found today, you know, every breath I take is one of joy and light. You know, I'm happy, joyous, and free. I help other people. I don't hurt myself with food. I comprehend the word serenity, and I know peace. And the only way to get there for Nancy P. was surrender. Surrender, surrender. First, last, and always. Complete, absolute, entire, utter, and nothing could get in the way. Nobody and nothing. And even during all those horrible months, there was a joy that pierced all that pain because I wasn't eating compulsively and I was finally free of it, free of the obsession. And um, anybody, you know, what else would explain? One day sobbing, and I'll finish up, one day sobbing in my car eating donuts and for the next almost six years now, the next day I haven't had anything, I haven't hurt myself with food, not one bite. And anybody that... Um, is still in the food. I guarantee it. I swear it on my daughter's life. You are not that far away from where you need to be. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Nancy P. from West Newton, Massachusetts. Okay. So who else would like to share on what was read? Lee H. Lee H. Nicole H. Indiana. Nicole H. Larry K. Larry. Chris W. from Nashville. Uh, who W. from Nashville? Chris. Oh, oh Chris. With a K. Gotcha. Chris with a K. All right. Lee H., Nicole H., Larry K., Chris W. I think we should be able to get you guys in. All right. Lee, please go ahead. Hi, Amy. This is Lee H., in Tennessee, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater this morning, and it's been, it's probably been several weeks since I've been on this phone call, and I just, I'm so glad I'm here this morning to hear these great shares, and what jumped out to me in this paragraph was, it's in the past tense, you know, life was not easy. There were plenty of different, you know, plenty of difficulties presented themselves you know, both saw that they must keep spiritually active. This this is actually a present tense always situation for me. Um, life has, you know, never quit being lifey, as, as I like to hear. You know, it, it just relates to the fact that, you know, there will always be challenges, and, and it's been lifey for me the last few weeks. And I've had my out-of-town family here, and, um, it, you know, it just, I've, I've had stuff and, 
just recently, um, two sponsees have moved on. They they reached step twelve. They're sponsoring, and and I still have someone to work with. But I'm just realizing today that yesterday I kind of started focusing on my husband who has Parkinson's, and I'm thinking, you know. That's what happens to me is that when I'm not giving of myself, then I start getting self-focused again. And I never really understood the spiritual connection to that, but I truly believe, and I'll, I'll stop soon, but I just truly believe that there is a spiritual connection and that my higher power wants me to be giving and wants me to be sponsoring and helping other people. Otherwise, I start getting in trouble and, and food has a leg up at some point. So it's great to be back and thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much. Um, Lee H. from Tennessee. Okay, Nicole H., you're on, followed by Larry K. Please go ahead, Nicole. Good morning, everybody. I'm Nicole H. from um, Indianapolis, Indiana. And thank you, I believe, Amy, for your service. This is my first time speaking on this wonderful, wonderful call. Um, What I could relate to is, uh, and I'm a compulsive overeater, um, relatively new, maybe five months ever in the program. I'm in another 12-step program, but this is really powerful to me. Um, You know, there's plenty of difficulties presented themselves. And, you know, that for me looks like that's the problem. All these, my thinking is absurd. And so that's the problem. I I like to stay in the problem a lot. But when I get out into the solution, which is the the abstinence, the neutrality neutrality that you talk about, um, I can get into the promises. And there's so many promises in this book. And the goodness of, you know, not, not concentrating on the difficulty. You know, life is hard. Misery is optional. My sponsor has bombarded that into my brain. So, you know, Garth Brooks has a song, um, absolutely love this. You know, I could have missed the pain, but I had to have missed the dance. And it's powerful for me. It just hits me, you know, with a lot of, you know, hardship and um, abuse, you know, in my life uh, growing up, like I've heard many, you know, I'm not unique. I'm not unique. I'm another, you know, alcoholic bozo on the bus or, you know, compulsive overeater on the bus. But I can definitely say that, you know, I have a lot of gratitude because I have this amazing God that loves me wildly. I just need to be still and serve others and get out of my thinking disease. I wake up with this untreated brain and I need to get into the solution. And gratitude is the shortcut for me. If I can get in gratitude, that's the shortcut to the solution. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you so much, Nicole H. Larry Kang, you're up, followed by Chris W. Okay, thanks, Amy. Um, boy, some beautiful shares. Larry Kay, uh recovered in Chicago. Just wanted to quickly chime in. You know, repetition, um, I've learned, is, is the mother of spiritual growth for me. We, we, we have repetition. And my faith is not just a passive belief. 
you know, it's, uh, we hear again and again, it's, it, it's action. And I was thinking of a, sort of an analogy that works, that rings true for me. You know, staying spiritually active is like, it's almost like doing a daily workout for my soul. But instead of, uh, let's say, bench pressing, which I don't do anymore, or lifting those dumbbells, I'm lifting the weight of guilt and regret from my past bad decisions. And I envision a God that wants me to experience that, that resistance training because God's training me in preparation to help others and maybe just maybe to be relatable to my fellows. You know, and instead of running on a treadmill, I get to sprint away from the negative energy and the drama that life, you know, that unfolds in life. And I sprint towards God's love and God's guidance. And it's like having a, a personal trainer for my spirit, having this personal relationship with God. It pushes, and it pushes me to find humor in the mundane, you know, and flex my, if I'm flexing any muscles, I'll tell you what muscles, not so many anymore, but they're the muscles of gratitude. You know, I don't look in the mirror or avoid looking in the mirror as validation or an exercise in devaluation. I, I get to hold my head up high as a testament and, and, and acknowledging, you know, God's great capacity for, you know, for transcendence and for change. You know, it's, 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 I'm going to keep my spiritual gym membership, right? And I think you taught me that faith without works is dead. So I, I'll continue to just try to work to the best of my ability. And I'll pass any thanks. Thank you so much, Larry Kay. Uh, Chris W., you are up. Please go ahead. Then we'll have time for maybe one more. Please go ahead, Chris. Hi, it's Chris W., Chris with a K from Nashville. Um, and I love that part where it's a first-class alcoholic. I thought, you know, I'm a first-class recovered compulsive overeater. That's going to be my new thought. Um, not that I, in myself I'm classy or anything, but um, I've got a beautiful seat that um, that I get to be a part of this whole beautiful group. And um, I think AA brought me to a relationship with God and got me into church, and I've never left. That's been 30-some years, 40-some years ago, I should say. Um, but... Church did not get me the relationship I have with God now. And I just, I'm so grateful to have a God who, he can correct me. I'm doing, I do my two-way prayers every day. And that's been a really beautiful way to connect closer and closer with God. And and I pray and, and ask him to talk to me. And he's been talking to me about my judgmentalness lately. And, and, um, the other day goes just stop it and and that's the tone he used and i just started laughing because i thought you know i don't get into guilt and shame and all those kind of things i just when he's talking to me it's for a reason he wants me to change and and i can't let him change me if i don't do what i hear him saying and it's just a beautiful way to to live and to have that feeling of he's with me every second of the day and i have a disease that i didn't cause i didn't 
do anything to make it happen. And that has given me so much freedom to truly see that because before I would feel like, oh, I have a food thought. I'm a bad person. My program isn't any good. I'm, it's, it's all a lie. It's not true. And now it's like, okay, so my disease tried to talk me into eating, but I'm not going to do it. I have God who's a lot stronger that gives me the power to say no. And um, I guess that's all I have to share. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you so much, Chris W. Okay, from Nashville, um, Tennessee. All righty, so we have time for one more share. Who would like to take us out? Talia D. from Minnesota. Talia, please go ahead. Hi, I am Talia D. as in dog um, and live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I was just going to say that life isn't easy and when so many difficulties present themselves, I've had um, a lot of difficulties lately. Um, the other, actually two days ago, I just fell down the stairs at work and um, fractured, severely sprained and fractured my ankle and now I'm in uh, ankle boot and <laughs> crutches and it's just kind of forcing me to slow down. And, um, but at the same time, like I've been blessed, but right before I got to uh, another dog. So now I have two big dogs and I have to just slowly walk them. And I think it's asking God for me to spend more time with him um, as these difficulties are presenting themselves and be grateful because they're not, you know, it's a spectrum. It's not nearly as difficult as others what are experiencing but but the only way this is a beautiful reminder that the only way to um to continue this work and to stay in recovery and connected to my fellows is um that i need they must be keep spiritually active so how do I do that? Um, active, taking action. Uh, so many times I tried to seek God with prayer and meditation and um, writing and all of those are great tools or talking about it, but, um, but keeping spiritually active is very different. I feel like lately I can seek God by taking action and doing the next right thing um, that he wants me to, even though I may not want to do it. Um, and by being of service to others, helping others in program, even just um, little things like being there for others who need me, like my dogs and things, even though um, my foot is really hurting or things like that. And I, it's for so long, my whole life, I've always um, use food to deal with my difficulties. Um, but now I know that I can't um, use food to deal with them. And so okay. being spiritually active is the healthier and more effective way to deal with life's difficulties. Um, I pass. 
Thank you so much, Talia D. from Minnesota for taking us out. I'd like to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, September 27, 2023, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 20,682. That's 20682. We will now close with a reading from a big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Vanessa G. please read a vision for you? Thank you, Amy. Thank you, everybody, for an awesome meeting. Vanessa G. recovered in New Mexico. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize that we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. Thank you, Vanessa. I'm just waiting for that. The recording has been ended or stopped. <laughs> um.